0: and welcome to the Plant Industry News podcast hosted by Brooke Miller with the Florida Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services Division of Plant Industry. As a regulatory branch of the Florida Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services, the Division of Plant Industry works to detect, intercept, and control plant and honeybee pests that threaten Florida's native and commercially grown plants and agricultural resources. Thanks for joining us. Hello everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Plant Industry News. Today we are continuing our conversation on pests in Florida. If you are a previous listener, we thank you for your patience and are so glad you're here. To our new listeners, we welcome you and hope you learn so much from our guests and topics. Today we will be speaking again with Dr. Emily Krause on air potato vines and beetles. If you have not listened to her previous episode on biological control, go check that out. Welcome back, Dr. Krause.
1: What are air potatoes? Air potatoes are the bulbils that come off of the air potato vine. The air potato vine's scientific name is Dioscoria bulbifera, and this plant is native to regions of Asia, Africa, and Australia. These vines then, when they came over to Florida, rather than producing flowers that make them reproduce, they produce these bulbils or air potatoes. And these grow onto the vine and fall into the ground every year And so when people say air potatoes, they're talking about these reproductive structures of the air potato vine. Do we know how they ended up here? We don't know exactly. We think that the type of air potato vine that we have here is genetically most similar to the vines that are in Asia. So we think that it's it's possible that the vines we have here originated in Asia, but we don't know what path they took from there. They may have come over on slave ships during the slaving period of the United States. Um, there is a nursery owner, uh, I believe his name is Henry Nerlinger, and it was said that he brought them over because he thought that they might be edible and they had, him, had them in his nursery, but they escaped. Um, there's a little bit of literature on how it might have gotten here, but I don't think anybody is absolutely sure. And even though we say that we think it was brought into Florida in 1905, There are separate introductions that we've seen in the United States, so we think it was in Alabama in the 1800s, and it was also separately introduced into Texas at some other point. How do they spread from one place to another? So mostly it would be people, because when the vines grow, they are actually quite pretty. I mean, they're very lush and green and have heart-shaped leaves, and they look nice, and uh, some people thought that they would be edible, so mostly people have moved them around. But In Florida, you know, we have some pretty severe weather at times, and so they can be blown from one area to another. They are pretty drought tolerant and salt tolerant. So it's possible that they even could float um, into the ocean and then back onto the shore. Um, We have seen some animals move them. So we've seen squirrels moving small bubbles, um, but that's probably not the biggest way they get around mostly unfortunately it's been people when you travel by land sea or air ask can i bring it and declare agricultural items with your help we could safeguard natural resources and protect the food supply from
0: invasive pests and disease whatever your destination enjoy
1: the journey and remember don't pack a pest (laughs) And what makes them so hard to get rid of? They're really hard to get rid of for a few reasons. One is that those air potatoes or the bulbils that we were talking about, every single one that hits the ground grows a new vine. So if you have a few vines and each one produces 20 bulbils, you're going to have like a 100 new air potato vine plants in your yard soon. Air potato vine has high propagule pressure, so it reproduces really well. Each of those bulbils also, not only does it shoot a vine up above the ground, but it also shoots tissue below the ground. The tissue that goes below the ground forms a tuber. So think like a sweet potato. This is a nutrient storage organ that is perennial. So year after year, when it starts to rain in the spring, this shoots up a new vine that makes new bulbils, that makes new tubers, that makes new vines. So the tubers uh, really allow it to go from year to year. They're also really hard to kill. We don't have any kind of a soil dwelling insect or pathogen that eats them. So you can only just try to dig them up. Sometimes when they're in inaccessible areas where they're underwater or, you know, in your neighbor's yard and you can't just go dig up your neighbor's yard. And uh, sometimes they're also really big. So it's not always easy to dig these things up. As much as we suggest to people that they should use mechanical methods of removal If you get out there and try it, it it can be pretty hard. So that allows them to persist as well. And they're non-native. They're invasive species. So they grow very aggressively and crowd out native species. This allows them to get all the sunlight, most of the nutrients, and take up a lot of the space. So they have very little competition here. And they don't have natural enemies. They're not from here. So there aren't pathogens or insects or other animals that are eating them. So they're pretty much uninhibited and they can just do what they want.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Is eradicating them a priority or even a possibility at this point? It
1: would take everybody in the state of Florida going out and focusing on eradicating our potato every day for a long (laughs) time period. And even then, I don't know if we could eradicate them. Like I said, sometimes they're in very hard to access areas. We do have some. Methods of management that can get into those areas, like the air potato beetles, they can fly and help us mitigate that population. But for us to eradicate air potato now, I think that's kind of a hope and a dream, but it's not what we really should be striving for. We at this point really need to just try to mitigate the negative effects and get the population down as low as we can. I don't think it's going anywhere. What other methods do we use to control them
0: other than the air potato beetles?
1: Yeah, so there's the mechanical control that I alluded to a little bit, trying to dig up the tubers. You can snip the vines. After you've cut them, it'll take a while, but then they'll die. The tuber will grow a new vine, unfortunately, but that can keep you keep them from getting too unruly. You can pick up the air potato bulbils. So especially at this time of year right now, it's January. For the next couple of months, there will be a lot of bulbils on the ground and not that much vegetation. So you should be able to see them pretty easily. If you can pick those up and burn them or freeze them for 48 hours, then you can stop the infestation from getting any worse. There's also some approved chemical management. So glyphosate has been effective at killing the leaf tissue of the plants and triclopyr has been used to kill the bulbils of the plants. So there is uh, some chemical management available. But unfortunately, it's not very specific. So these two chemicals that I mentioned will also kill pretty much any other plant that they touch. So uh, you need to be very careful when using any kind of chemical. Make sure that you're following the label, reaching out to Extension Agent to make sure that you're being safe with those pesticides. So, what are air potato beetles? Air potato beetles are Liliaceris chennai. They came from Nepal and China. So After we realized how invasive this plant was, how detrimental it was to the state of Florida, and started to see that the mechanical and chemical strategies were not sufficient to reduce the negative impacts, we started trying to get the air potato beetle released in Florida. This involved going to Nepal and China, bringing beetles back, testing them for host specificity, so making sure that they weren't going to eat anything else that was important to us here in Florida. They were tested on 41 different species before they were finally permitted to be released. So the ones from Nepal are kind of golden, brown, orangish orangish color. And the ones from China are a really bright red color. They're really cute beetles. They're in the family Chrysomelidae, And so these in general are, it's a family of beetles that are really charismatic and adorable. So they look cute and they have about a month long life cycle where They'll lay little yellow colored eggs on the underside of cupped air potato leaves. They hatch out into these little squishy looking larvae that eat a ton of leaf tissue. Those drop to the ground and pupate or go through a big change like a butterfly would, a metamorphosis before they come out as adults and then start mating and lay more eggs. So that process takes about a month. And if you think about one female laying 1,200 eggs, So a month later, you've got 1,200 adults each laying, you know, say half of them are female. So 600 of them laying 1,200 eggs. So they work really well because they can reproduce rapidly and we can get a lot of them out there. I know we touched on maybe a new one coming up uh, in the other episode. What are those? When they went to Nepal and China to find Lilioceros Chennai, they also found Lilioceros Agena. And the Lilioceros Chennai that has been released in Florida for the last 10 years now, it focuses its feeding behavior mostly on the leaves of the plant. Lilioceros agina will eat the leaves, but it actually favors the bulbels. So this could be so massively beneficial for us because we would have then two agents eating different parts of the plant. And like I've, I've been mentioning, you know, we can't always get into the areas where the air potato is or where the bubbles are falling down. So if we can get these bubble feeding beetles into those areas, then that can stop those infestations from getting any worse. How can landowners go about obtaining
0: these beetles for their vines? Yes.
1: Yeah, so we have on the FDAX air potato biological control website, management guides and different materials that can help homeowners. So I would say first hop on our website Check out the frequently asked questions about air potato beetles and biological control. Then look at our air potato quick identification guide. There are a lot of plants in Florida that look like air potato vine. When I first came into this program a few years ago, I actually was trying to feed our beetles Dioscoria alata, which is the winged yam. (laughs) It looks a lot like air potato. So before you try to do anything with managing uh, pest species, you need to know what it is. So check out our quick identification guide and it can give you some tips like looking at whether the leaves on the vine are opposite of each other on a node or whether there's one leaf on one node and then one leaf on another node. We call that alternate leaf uh, orientation. So learning those kinds of things can help you figure out whether you've got air potato, morning glory, the winged yam or what. So first, make sure that you have air potato. If you're having trouble figuring out whether you have it or not, just reach out to us and we can help you identify your plant. So once you know that you have air potato, use the air potato management guide that's on our website. And it will tell you that at this time of year, the best thing for you to do is to pick up the bulbs and do any kind of a mechanical management that you can do. The beetles don't live actively in the winter. So once it gets down to about 40 degrees, they stop moving. They stop doing anything. And so we don't release them in this time of year. We say this is the time of year for mechanical management. Now, in a few months, or depending on where you are in Florida, maybe even sooner, it's going to start raining and the vines are going to start emerging again. But think about, you know, if you're feeding your kids, you don't want to give them old brown lettuce, stuff that's been sitting out for a year. And you don't want your kids to be in a place where there's only a little bit of food. So we also don't want to send beetles out immediately as soon as the vine starts growing because they're not going to stick around. They'll keep searching for areas with more air potato and they won't lay their eggs unless there's a decent amount of leaf tissue there. There is some signal, we don't know what it is, that lets them know, okay, if I lay eggs here, my babies are going to be successful. So after those vines emerge in the spring, wait four to six weeks. And at that time, you'll have a decent amount of air potato leaf tissue that'll be healthy and green. Natural populations might actually find it. So you might not need to get beetles from us because in a lot of especially north and central Florida, the beetles are just coming back on their own to a lot of areas. But if they've been if the vines have come back, you've waited four to six weeks and you still don't see beetles, then you would put in an air potato vine report on the FDAC's website. This is a really quick and easy report. It's just asking for your name, your address, and a little bit of information about how big your property is and how much vine you have, whether or not you're associated with a preservation, a conservation area, or a state park or something like that, because we do prioritize those areas. And once you put that report in, that gives us a much better idea of, oh, hey, we're getting a lot of reports from this area. It looks like beetles aren't coming back in that area this year. We need to send them some beetles. So the only way to get beetles from us is to wait four to six weeks when your area has sufficient tissue, put in a report, and from the people who are putting in those reports, we select people to ship out beetles to. And so we don't always have enough beetles for everyone, but we try to make sure that there are multiple recipients in every county so that the beetles are getting spread throughout the state as much as possible. In this last year, everyone who put in a report was reached out to. And everyone who replied to say, yeah, I still want beetles, got beetles. Uh, The only time that you might not get beetles is is a situation, and this happens sometimes, where we do an outreach event, or one of the UFIFS extension agents does an outreach event and talks about how to get air potato beetles. And then five people who live on the same street all put in a report. And so it's great that the message is getting out there and that people are letting us know there's a problem there. But rather than send beetles to everybody on that street, we will probably just select a couple of them to make sure we're also getting beetles to other areas.
0: Is there anything else you wanted to share about air potatoes or beetles?
1: Um, just keep an eye out for them. Uh, We know that year after year, they don't always come back to every area. They are highly mobile, so they're always they're flying around, they're moving a lot, and they also like to play dead. So if you go out and shake your vine they're going to fall to the ground you might not see them so um when you're looking to see if you have beetles just take a look at the area without disturbing it as much as you can first and then also make sure to look at the undersides of the leaves because that's where the eggs and the larva are going to be so um make sure to to give them a chance
0: (laughs) (laughs) um how can our listeners learn more about anything related to air potato vines
1: so we have our um, our FDACS, Florida Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services website with the biological control of air potato beetle on that site. We've got various publications that are available in PDF format and some helpful materials. Like I said, the FAQs and the um, air potato management guide. We also have email addresses on that site so that you can ask specific questions of experts. And I would also recommend that you check out some of the University of Florida's resources because they also um, have some good stuff out there on the biology of the vine and the beetles. Thank you so much for sharing all of that.
0: Um, It was really informative. Great. Thank you. It was nice to be here. (laughs) For more information on air potato vines and beetles or other invasive pests in Florida, please visit fdocs.gov for more information. Thanks for tuning in to Plant Industry News. We are so appreciative of our listeners, hosts, and those involved in the production of this podcast to keep it on the air. Be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a rating and review, as well as share with friends and colleagues. To learn more, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at F-D-A-C-S-D-P-I. See you next episode.